Start the clock. Let's get this show on the road. Here comes Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. 60 minutes, going to be packed full. Our week in review just a second away. Also on the way, Wall Street Journal headline, is the 4% rule making a comeback? We're going to ask, should you even consider it when retirement planning? Ask Annex is coming up. Bunch of great questions there. And toward the end of the show, millionaire investing regrets. They've got a bunch. We're going to share them with you. That's all on the way. I'm Danny Clayton. Derek Felsky, our chief investment officer. Welcome. Thank you, Danny. Dave Spano, president and CEO. Welcome to you. Yeah, thanks, Danny. Are we sick of talking about the Fed? They sucked all of the air out of the room again this week with their meeting. Now they announced a 50 basis point hike. This is the seventh rate hike in this year, which is just stunning. The Fed funds rate is now above the two-year treasury rate, and you would think they would start to slow down, but that's not the message we got. Right, and it's interesting that a year ago, they thought they'd raise the Fed funds rate by 100 basis points in 2022, so clearly they've been more aggressive than they anticipated. And one of the offshoots of that meeting on, on Wednesday was that they actually raised their target rate, or the rate they think Fed funds will go to to 5.1%. So that would imply two more rate hikes. At quarter at a quarter of a point. Right. right. And the other thing in those minutes was we didn't get any dissensions. You know, and I was sort of hoping perhaps we'd get some dissensions because that would suggest they're closer to pausing than perhaps people had thought. But there was, in the survey, there were 17 of the 19 did say that they think rate hikes were higher, but not everyone was on the same page. So there might be a crack. We're going to have to wait. We, you know, the next meeting is not until February. So a lot of information to come out. And in the meantime, this is what we do know. The manufacturing survey is under 50. That shows that we are in contractions. New orders, uh, they're down. The housing sector, clearly that bubble has been pricked. We saw a retail sales report earlier this week. Right. It was down six-tenths month-on-month, one of the worst results we've seen. Industrial production was also weak. The New York and Philly Feds were weaker than expected, so the economy is clearly slowing. We've discussed that any number of times. The real question, though, is that while consensus thinking may be that we're going to have a recession has that been discounted in prices? Yeah, that's right. It's This is the most watched-for recession that I can recall in our careers, Derek. It's been a long time, but we look at where the Fed's fund rate is now, 4.5%, and we have not seen that since 2006. So we have a whole new investing class and, in fact, professionals in this business that have not seen a rate this high. No, they haven't. Um, I was also looking at the credit markets this week because you often get a good message from the, uh, the, the health of the economy from that. And high yield credit is still uh, trading at a reasonable level. The spreads aren't widening dramatically. Uh, So that suggests that the economy is still in good shape. And really, I think it all depends on psychology. You know, oftentimes there are feedback loops. You know, people's, uh, the performance of their 401k affects their spending patterns, what they perceive the value of their home to be. And that's certainly something the Fed is targeting. The question is, at what point will inflationary pressures abate and how far will the Fed have to go? And, you know, this is my problem with it, Derek, is they're trying to reduce the spread of higher wages because that is a big part of inflation. And how are they going to do that? Well, they're going to have to raise the unemployment rate. And we're talking in the millions of jobs lost. And this is really a target from the Federal Reserve, which is just bizarre to me. And really, of course, the people that have been hurt the most by higher inflation, of course, are those who are least can least afford it. And now, of course, there's going to be an unemployment rate that is going to go up as well. So we're going to have to see if this is a structural problem that they're trying to to fix, Derek, with higher interest rates, and I'm not really sure about that. I'm not either. I mean, I've heard uh, different differing opinions about what the job opening survey means, whether that number is overstated.
rate. It's certainly something the Fed is, has cited, whereas on LinkedIn, I've seen much, much lower numbers. So again, statistics are interesting, but you really have to look for a longer term trends in order to be a, a balanced investor. And I think the final thing, Derek, is uh, you know where we ended up on Friday, down a little bit more than 1% on the S&P 500, around the 3,800 range. And of course, there's a lot of people who have targets for the S&P 500 on the downside and on the upside, and we're a long ways away from the downside number. Oh, absolutely. I mean, some people are thinking the S&P could drop as low as 3200 and they get there by saying a $200 earnings estimate and a 16 multiple. I'm not so sure that multiple is appropriate given where interest rates are sitting. And we are certainly, you know, December is historically a pretty strong month. And on the month, the S&P has dropped 5.5%, the NASDAQ 6.5%. And so I'm glad, you know, tactically we did raise a little bit of cash during the rally in November. And we're looking to, to redeploy assets as, as long as the facts don't change materially between here and those lower levels. Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer at Annex Wealth Management. Dave Spano, our President and CEO, got these guys for the rest of the hour. We're glad you're here. There's a whole lot more to come. We can review, available on demand this weekend. Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel has it. The Axiom, our weekly newsletter on Sunday mornings, has it. Spotify at the top of this hour. AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Saturday, December 17th, and we are going to be right back on 620 WTMJ. We're back. A couple things you can do on the weekend. Sign up for the Axiom, our free weekly newsletter. You want to check us out on social media. We're on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Great channel with over 1,500 Annex Wealth Management videos. SWAT podcast, really good on Monday mornings. That's members of our Annex Wealth Management investment team that work for us in our headquarters. That's fresh every single Monday morning. Again, the SWAT podcast, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. As we're talking about on this show today, here comes Derek Fels. Care Chief Investment Officer and Dave Spano, our President and CEO, Annex Wealth Management. Yeah, thanks, Danny. In the last segment, we were talking about some earnings revisions. So, of course, you know, in January, the companies will start to put their reports out, and will they lower their estimates? And followed by the meetings from the CEOs and CFOs about what their expectations are. And as I said in the last segment, this is the most widely anticipated recession that we may or may not have. Right. I mean, earnings estimates right now have been have been moving lower. They've been masked by the strength in the energy sector. But even there, we're going to see tougher and tougher comparisons on a year over year basis. So we do expect earnings growth to slow. There are some positive elements, though, with earnings in 2023. One is the dollar has been growing weaker. That helps Two, the PMIs are nearing areas where they typically bottom. Three, we know supply chains have eased dramatically. And finally, China is trying to reopen. So, so let, you know, let's unwrap all of that. The first item, of course, is the weaker dollar, and you said that's positive. I think that should be explained. Well, it's positive because if you're a company like Apple and you sell your iPhones overseas, when you move that back into your U.S. accounting, you benefit from the fact that the dollar is weaker. Exactly right, right. especially the companies that are based here in the United States and uh, ship abroad and sell abroad. The second thing you talked about is the PMI, which is the manufacturing index, and below 50, of course, is retraction. Above that is an expansionary number, and you mentioned the PMI. Right. We talked a lot during the pandemic that initially people bought goods, which are manufactured goods. They bought things, whether it was a TV set, a, a couch, whatever. They remodeled their home. And so we've seen very tough comparisons. Anyone who, who has watched Peloton stock knows that. So basically what I'm suggesting is when PMIs tend to bottom out, that's when you see areas like industrial stocks do better because they anticipate an improvement. So that's what I said in the first segment. How much of this negativity has been discounted? Typically 
typically, if you avoid a recession, a bear market is roughly 25%. Well, the NASDAQ is down 32% from its high. The S&P is what got to down about 25%. So in some ways, you could say we've discounted a shallow recession, meaning like maybe one negative quarter. And the other thing I would say is, of course, is if we have negative GDP, how deep and how wide is, I think, is what you're trying to say. But the other thing is, is investors often get caught up in these large cap names and even mega cap names, the really biggest companies. But we see value going down cap. You know, what, what should a listener take away from that? Well, I think a listener ought to know that small caps tend to recover much quickly as we, as an economy begins to turn. They also are not negatively affected by a lot of the overseas weakness we've seen as a result of Russia and Ukraine. Uh, the other thing is dividend paying stocks do tend to perform better during periods of market weakness because those dividends provide stabilization and they typically are higher quality companies with outstanding free cash flow characteristics. And we're going to see a lot of oscillation, folks. There's no doubt over the next 12 months. And that's the reason you have to have your portfolio positioned correctly. And a lot of things that get overlooked is this ballast that is in portfolios. And that is really the fixed income part of the portfolio. And guess what? There is an opportunity there right now that I think that people are walking past. Oh, absolutely. I was looking uh, at treasury bills are yielding north of 4% six-month duration. You're going to see 6 7 8% opportunities in the high-yield market. Treasury market has already rallied. We peaked at four and a quarter on the 10-year, got to 344 and right around 3.5 now. So much higher rates than, than we've grown accustomed to, which is one of the reasons why people's withdrawal strategies actually can be a little bit more aggressive from here than they were in the past. And that's tying together your financial and retirement plan with your investment plan with a team that can do it all. Tie it together. Here's what we do. Investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. We do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Our website, AnnexWealth.com. You can click it on a weekend. Hit that Get Started button. Takes just a couple of minutes. You know, you've probably heard about the 4% rule when it comes to planning. The Wall Street Journal headline says it might be back, but is it really something you should use? We're going to take a look at that next on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 620 WTMJ. Cut through the clutter with Axiom, the weekly newsletter from Annex Wealth Management. Subscribe today for seven insights built and delivered to you every Sunday. It'll help you navigate the markets and the things that affect your money. The Axiom. Sign up at AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? Headline in the Wall Street Journal, 4% rule makes a comeback. That got our attention as the 4% rule has been a kind of a handy rule of thumb since its inception. But with inflation, it's lost a little bit of its luster. It got knocked down to the 3.3% rule last year. Has that changed? To talk about it, we got Jeff Day on the line. He's a branch director and wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Danny. Let's back up and review what the 4% rule is. It really is a spending rule, right? Yeah, so it's the uh, an old litmus test to see whether your portfolio would stand the test of time based upon a, a specified withdrawal rate. And it was determined that 4% was a sustainable withdrawal rate over time so that your portfolio can make it the distance. I saw this article in the Wall Street Journal that we, you know, we're referring to, and, and it caught my attention because of, I've had one conversation over the years with folks just trying to understand what is the appropriate withdrawal rate. It's this one. They've heard about the 
percent withdrawal rate. They think it's maybe the best way to approach it in a simplified term. And I just want to give us an opportunity to just hit pause on that idea and and talk about that for just a minute. Again, many of our audience probably has heard about this four percent withdrawal rule before. I think of the four percent withdrawal rule is really it should almost go the way of bloodletting in medical practice. Um, yeah, it was at one point considered kosher, but we know better nowadays. And we have better ways of measuring what's an appropriate withdrawal rate. Some of the things that the 4% withdrawal rate does not consider is the timing and sequencing of future needs. And you need to make sure that you're progressively spending it in the appropriate method from the specific accounts that are most appropriate. It just looks at a balance times a 4% withdrawal rate, and it's assuming that every source of money is treated the same. And unfortunately, we know that isn't the case, and we have to be more thoughtful when we look at withdrawal rates. That's the not great news, but in mid-December, the co-authors of the survey said conditions now allow for a 3.8% spending rate for new retirees with a 30-year horizon. Same issues though, right? Yeah, absolutely. So did anybody want to take a a haircut on their ability to spend when inflation is going up? Of course not, right? Social security payments are going up. Just go to the grocery store and and figure out where your costs are going. I mean, they're going one direction and it's up. And so again, we want to build in inflation in a comprehensive financial plan to make sure that we're accounting for those additional expenses. I often say inflation is a friction on the path to retirement saving. If we think about that erosion of the purchasing power of that dollar, we want to understand and contain that and really identify it and plan for it. So if we think about, again, your expenses going up on a maybe a historical average 3% increased rate over time is kind of our base assumption that we use in our financial plans currently. We want to make sure that we account for each individual expense at a 3% multiplier. Some expenses like healthcare and a few other things we may grow at a more accelerated rate, potentially, maybe even education might be in that category. But generally, uh, we want to make sure that we have a really inflation accounted for in our financial plan. Most people are going to be a mixture of stocks and bonds in their portfolio. If we think about that traditional portfolio, we know in 2022, we're we're struggling a bit on performance, right? And so that makes that 4% just lock and load every single year really hard to sustain over the long period of time. And really, it's a struggle for many people to conceptualize that in their mind. Again, a cash flow, a financial plan is really important. And I can't emphasize that enough. It isn't just as simplistic as just taking 4% of your account balance and assuming that's okay. The additional thing, when we think about taking money out of your portfolio in a down market, you're actually locking in those losses. And those future dollars that that money would have earned don't compound and add to your financial plan. and can be increasingly detrimental when we think about, again, for all the years that you might have in retirement. Many folks spend as many or more years in retirement than they did working. And we want to make sure that we've planned for the long game. We're talking about the 4% rule. Is it making a comeback? Rules of thumb are okay. They might give you a general sense on how things could play out in retirement based on simple calculations, but they're only that. They're simple calculations. This Mm -hmm. is back of the envelope stuff. Hopefully you realize this is a lot more complicated. I really should get a solid financial plan from a fee-only fiduciary. Yeah, absolutely, Danny. So I talked about the different sources of money costing a little bit different to get to that net number. And we spend after-tax dollars when we go to the grocery store or make out that mortgage payment or you know buy that car. We don't spend pre-tax dollars. So if you've got a significant amount in pre-tax dollars, maybe in an IRA and a 401k, you know maybe consider what the tax authorities would say about those withdrawals, right? It, depending on your particular tax locality, state, and local income tax rates, but certainly the Fed tax rates are going to come into play. 
that dollar you get at the end of the rainbow may cost you a bit more than that when we look at the pre-tax numbers needed to get to that dollar. All dollars are not created equal and we strategically look at where we're going to get our spending from when we look at the overall portfolio. So thinking about that 4%, not going to do it. We may need to take a little bit more than that or possibly even a little bit less than that if we've got enough in cash reserves and some other uh, ways to, to fund that retirement or we can postpone some expenses. So being dynamic and flexible enough when we have these conversations are really important. Again, it all starts with a comprehensive financial plan, something we do every single day for our clients here at Annex Wealth Management. So we're going to pat that 4% rule on its head, but really turn to the pros. <laughs> Investment, <laughs> retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. That's what we do. Know the difference. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Start the wealth metric process. Jeff Day, Branch Director and Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management. Good stuff. Always a pleasure, Danny. Hey, thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. We know it's a busy time. 30 minutes down, 30 minutes to go on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. It is time for news, and for that, we head to the WTMJ Breaking News Center. Back, and it's time for Ask Annex. As always, got a question for us. You head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask button. If we can help, click that Get Started button. In the studio, Sarah Kyle, Wealth Manager. Hey. Hi, Danny. And Matt Moore is the Investment Team Manager and a CFP. He is back. Hey. Hey, Danny. Good to have you guys here. First question is from Kyle. Regarding index funds, what would be the difference between various S&P 500 index funds? Shouldn't they be nearly identical? But I know they aren't, he says. Yeah, that's a great question. And it really comes down to how is the index fund structured? Indexes can be structured in multiple different ways. So one could be market cap weighted, which is basically how the S&P itself is created, which is that the largest company by total if you market cap would be shares times share price. And essentially the biggest company, so something like Apple would have the largest weighting within the index. You could also have equal weight, which is all 505 odd companies in the S&P 500 at the same weight within the fund. So you have a little different bend there. So the mid-sized companies or smaller companies in the S&P 500 have the same weight as Apple would. Or you could have S&P funds that get tilted in different ways based off of profitability or different metrics like that as well too. So it really is important to know exactly which type you're using. And then ultimately, what fee are you paying as well too? Because maybe you have two market cap weighted ETFs, but one has a slightly different fee structure than the other one does. It's probably not going to be a lot different, but over the course of time, that might add up. When Kyle is researching, will it say within those funds how they operate? It will. So it'll be really evident either in the name of the fund or if you go to that fund company's website, they'll have a lot of information. You can see what their holdings are. It'll show what the weights of each are. It'll show what their fee is as well, too. Okay. Next up on Ask Annex from Justin. I'd like to open a 529 for my new nephew, but I have no idea where he might go to college someday. Does that matter? Well, Justin, that's such a nice thing to do for your nephew. I love hearing this. But no, it does not matter. You can use a 529 plan from any state to pay for an eligible college in another state. So for example, you can use a 529 plan from Ohio to pay for a college in Illinois. So you don't need to move your existing 529 plan to another state. And I think one thing to think about, too, in terms of saving for college is what happens if that child doesn't go to college? What mm -hmm. happens with those funds within the 529? What penalties would you have to pay? Taxes on the gains you'd have? So maybe looking outside of a 529 might be a good way to go, too, if you're just not quite sure. Yeah. And, you know, some people are worried, well, what if my child doesn't go to a traditional college? So maybe now college looks different in 20 years. It's online. So there's still qualified expenses that they can use that 529 money for. So if they're going to an online school, they could still use it for books, for computers computer, for food. So there's other options other than just that four-year college in the 529 plan. What's the Morsey house doing? 
You know, we do a little bit of a combination. We have 529s, and we're blessed enough that my parents and my wife's parents have also put money in 529s for our kids as well, too. But we also save in taxable accounts and invest that way, too, because, again, you don't know. Maybe they don't go to college. Maybe they get scholarships. Mm -hmm. Maybe something else that we want to look at in terms of using money on 20 years down the road as well, too, and it might not just be college. Ask Annex with a question from Ben. With China loosening up their COVID lockdowns, will that create a mini pent-up demand rally similar to the U.S.? I didn't think of it until I saw that question. Yeah, it certainly might. You know, the tough thing with China is they've had a lot of stops and starts along the way, too. So how that process is going to play out is something I think we're all going to be watching. As an investor here in the U.S., we not only want to watch to see how they're opening up and if that's going to stay open, but how do we take advantage of that? And being a U.S. investor, we don't have the same investment ability in China companies that we do here in the U.S. So sometimes it's a little bit easier to play how it might affect the U.S. economy and U.S. stocks in terms of looking at maybe commodities or energy, maybe looking at different ways to do it here because we can't buy the same things in China that we can in the U.S. Next one is anonymous. If I roll over my Roth 401k to a Roth IRA, which has been open more than five years, are the contributions I made to the Roth 401k now subject to Roth IRA withdrawal rules? Yes, they sure are. If you roll over an account into a Roth IRA, that account is now subject to the Roth IRA rules. That was easy. Yep. And our last one, Anonymous, and this is a fun one. Is it possible to structure a retirement plan so that I can travel extensively in my go-go years and then scale back when I slow down? Does spending a lot early in retirement wreck the rest of my plan? <laughs> well, I love that idea, you know, of traveling while you're young and when you first retire in those go-go years. But we can structure a retirement plan to fit your unique situation. And that's what we do here at Annex. And the success of the plan is dependent on whether or not your portfolio assets and your income can support the spending that you plan to do. Spending early in retirement doesn't necessarily mean you're going to wreck your plan, but it's definitely a good idea to have a financial plan built out with that in mind just to see what your probability of success is. So somebody comes in here and they talk to you, Sarah, and mm-hmm. they're like, listen, here's what we want to do. Yeah. Then- we plug it in our financial planning software and we can let you know you know, the max spending you can do in retirement. We could build out a travel budget for $30,000, a year, $5,000 a year, whatever you want, and we can tell you what your probability of success would be. Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? We'll figure it out together. Investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. We do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. Our website is AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Matt Morsey, Investment Team Manager and a CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thank you. Sarah Kyle, Wealth Manager, thank you. My pleasure. Even millionaires have regrets when it comes to investing. What are they and how can you avoid them? That's next on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 620 WTMJ. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Brandon Lehman, Director of Branch Development, CFP, and a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management is back. Hey, Brandon. Hey, Danny. Going back to a study by the National Bureau of Economic Research that showed us that even some millionaire investors regret certain investment decisions. Brandon, we're going to go through some of those regrets because found it kind of interesting that when people who have done very well, worked very hard, amassed a lot of assets, still have some regrets. There's quite a few regrets. And the one that jumps out to me, and I think we run into quite a bit, especially doing what we do in the financial planning, sitting down and and walking through everything with clients is they've relied so heavily on past returns. So they're constantly looking back and saying, well, this did that, so it should do this going forward. Surprisingly, a third of all respondents actually said this was an issue for them. They shouldn't have been doing this. And you see it a lot. And there's ratings, there's performance, and that's what people are looking at. But when you look at it as a team, I think our investors team, they're looking forward. What does this mean? Where is it? And Todd Voigt always says, if it's in the news, it's already too late. 
The other thing that we've seen a lot is they didn't diversify their portfolios. What I mean by that is a lot of people stick with something that's done really well. Hey, this has been doing really good and it grows and it grows and it grows. And it went from maybe 3% to 10% of your portfolio, 15% of your portfolio. But now you're saying, well, it's a winner. I don't want to sell it. Well, you need to diversify. You need to shave that off and move it to areas that have underperformed because maybe those areas are going to start performing if the market changes or the situation changes. I saw where they didn't diversify their portfolio and where my mind first went was not equities, as you're mentioning, but just other vehicles. That too, that you see a lot of U.S. home country bias, right? U.S. bias, which yes, over the last 10 years has made a difference. International has underperformed, but that isn't always the case. Think about a wave. It's up and it's down. It's up and it's down. And that's stretched over time. International outperforms, U.S. outperforms. It goes back and it goes forth. So diversification is key to one, not just protecting the portfolio, but two, having good asset location and good assets to go through these tough times that we're starting to witness now. With Brandon Lehman, Director of Branch Development, CFP, and a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management, what are some of the regrets that millionaires have when it comes to investing, not investing in value stocks? You do see this not as common, but it does come up. So they're always looking for growth stocks. And why? Because value stocks tend to be boring. They think they're not going to go up as much as growth. But look back at 2020. Those growth stocks went on a tear. Well, what has happened this year? The exact opposite. It, you know, the NASDAQ, which is a somewhat of a representative of growth stocks, has underperformed the value, which is kind of represented by the Dow in, in a very small segment. And that's done significantly better. And again, back to actually number two, diversification. Number four is ignoring momentum. You'll need to drill down on that. Yeah. So really high momentum stocks. So stocks that have done really well all year long. Folks, and this is interesting because it flies in the face of the growth value discussion sometimes, but they've avoided something that's been on a tear, done really well because they say, well, it's probably going to end. So now they're looking for that next great deal, that great buy. Well, a lot of people who are doing it themselves don't have the research tools to dive deep and see really what's driving that. You know, is it momentum? Is it trading? Is it fundamentals? Is it valuation? They're, they're just looking at it and say, hey, this is doing really good or this is undervalued. The final step really gets into the camp of Annex Wealth Management, and we believe this. I mean, it's what we do day in, day out on behalf of our clients. They didn't seek out financial advice. Yeah, 35% of the respondents to this poll said this was one of their largest regrets. Why? Because they thought they knew everything. And actually, I love this term. It's the Dunning-Kruger effect, which is basically a psychological tendency for humans to overestimate their own abilities. We all do it. I do it constantly in certain areas of my life. Hunting is one of them. Way overestimate my skills there. But you need that professional advice. You need that team behind you. You look, again, at Annex. You look at the CFAs, the PhDs. They're looking at this every day. What's going on? How does it impact the portfolio? Where is the market taking us? What should we be doing? And the other thing is, is we assume that millionaires are working in finance and things like that. That's not their main thing. They're doing other things. They're owning plumbing and heating businesses. They're contractors. They, they, they've got businesses. Well, and that's a great point because millionaire investors and millionaires, for the most part, are people who are experts at their job. They're phenomenal at the thing they do, and they do it really well. Hence, they became millionaires. They sold a successful business. They became a CFO, a CEO, a COO. But they're not professional investors, which is what is a career path. 
to go into that. So that is what we are here to do, to be a part of that team, to be your fee-only fiduciary, to make sure that what you're investing in meets your plan and meets your tax goals and meets your estate goals as well. Elite full-service wealth management. That's the experience designed for you. Head to AnnexWealth.com, click that Get Started button. Brandon Lehman, Director of Branch Development, a CFP and a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management, and he had an eight-point buck this year. Biggest one of my career. All right, so you're a better hunter than you think. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Danny. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're going to be right back on 620 WTMJ. We are back. And a quick reminder, this show is going to be on the Spotify channel, Annex Wealth Management Spotify channel at the top of the hour. So if you came in late, would like to hear it again, it'd be great with us. Just look for it there. I'm Danny Clayton. Derek Felsky is our chief investment officer. Dave Spano, our president and CEO. Dave, at the beginning of the show, you were talking about this new or this current class of generation of investment folks that have never seen this before. And I don't know about you, but every time I get on an airplane, I don't mind looking in the cockpit and seeing maybe some gray hair or no hair on the pilot. <laughs> exactly. Well, you think about it, and we, we talked about the fact that we haven't seen a Fed funds rate this high since 2006. So, you know, 16 going on 17 years, that is a career for a lot of folks. And, you know, I, you know, I, I say this with a badge of honor that, you know, Derek and I combined have been doing this for 80 years. And, and you talk about experience and it makes a difference having gone through recessions and how to handle it. And Derek, you can go all the way back to many situations that we have seen and there's ways to handle it and there's ways not to handle it. But experience is key. Yeah. I mean, when I, when I first got in the business and was running rampant. You could get 10% in a money fund. People were happy to get a mortgage rate around 10%. And so any number of investors that we're you know, talking to today appreciate that. And then many of our competitors, you know, they were in grade school or maybe not even born then. So they have no idea what the playbook is. And you know, all they know is a Fed that, that will basically bail them out and create liquidity when there's a crisis. But we, we all know that markets aren't always like that. And you have to be adaptable and you have to have a team that has a diversified set of opinions. You know, some value oriented, some more, you know, structurally oriented, some great balance sheet analyzers and the rest. And I think that's what you've uh, been willing to build here at Annex Wealth Management in the 10 years I've been here. And you think about, you know, what we've seen over the last 13, 14 years and this quantitative easing really was something we didn't have before the great financial crisis. And that certainly helped a lot of companies. It supported lots of companies. And you saw you just great expansion of exchange traded funds because of that, because the stock picking went away, but I think the doing the work is going to matter now. Right. And, you know, and you see, you see fads, whether it was, you know, NFTs, you could call some elements of, of cryptocurrency a fad that was a reflection of liquidity. SPACs, we talked about speculation. We talked about not buying IPOs right out of the box because you're eventually going to get diluted. And I see some of those stocks drop anywhere from 90 to 100 percent. We caution people not to get involved in Bitcoin because we couldn't analyze it on a fundamental basis. So it's, it's trying to avoid the fads which crop up from time to time we saw ipo booms in the in the early 2000s we saw them in the 90s and it's about having perspective and having discipline and having a process that has worked and repeatable did it get a little wearying every time that the new fad popped up and somebody came and said dave how come you guys aren't looking at this well you know the bitcoin is a great example we talked about you know there's bitcoin
Bitcoin, there's FTX, and, and they're different. And what do we like about it? And, you know, we never said you shouldn't do it. We say it's speculation. If that part of your portfolio wants to be speculation and you want to set that aside, you can go and do that. But then there's the other side of the parameter altogether. And we have folks out there who say, well, you should take, you know, some of your fixed income money, which right now is really a great opportunity, folks, to look at your fixed income because when interest rates, of course, move like this, that gives you opportunity. And some people want to, for example, take that fixed income out and lock it up. Well, you know, this is an opportunity not only to get a nice rate, but actually some appreciation in those bonds as well, Derek. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, Todd was talking about some some opportunities he's uncovered on individual bonds where he's getting six, seven percent yields in, in, in A credits. You know, that's that's unusual. Right. And, and that compounds going forward and you will get your money back provided the company doesn't default. You know, another fad we talked about, Danny and you and I in particular, was cannabis. Remember the can- whole cannabis sure. thing and stocks were going through the moon, but they all ultimately did, as you'd expect, go up in smoke. Oh, God. Nice, nice one. So, folks, this is really where we say you need to know the difference. What we mean by that is know the team. And, you know, we've assembled a, a fantastic team. People on our team have law degrees and CPAs and PhDs. And, you know, Derek, uh, I pick on him because he's in the studio with us today. But not only uh, is he a CFA, but undergraduate from Dartmouth, master's degree from Wharton. You go around and say, this is what we've done. You're a recovery and mutual fund manager and have seen a lot of this stuff, Derek. That experience matters. Right. I was kind of touched. You know, Keith Butler came into my office today. He's got a prospect coming in at the beginning of the year, and he specifically wanted to, to meet me. And that's something we can do here at Annex. The investment team is just one door away, and we meet with the clients all the time. Some, sometimes we don't, but a lot of times, you know, they just want a little bit more uh, specificity about what we're doing and where we think we're going with their portfolios. And you haven't subcontracted that out and having your clients pay another fee. If I can do a rock and roll comparison, Dave, because I know you appreciate good music, think of Bruce Springsteen's Telecaster. Think about the right. battle scars that thing on. He didn't just haul that did, out of the case. Did you see the interview that he had with? Heard uh, about it. Was it. fantastic. Yeah. yeah, but what I'm saying yeah. is, is that has been that's yeah. road tested, <laughs> exactly. right? Road tested, folks. And I think that's what you need as we go into 2023. If you've got those doubts face those doubts, head to our website and click that get started button. It would be our pleasure. It would be our honor. We talk about the things you care about on this show, what retirement will be like, how to get there, who will be blessed by your legacy. That's what we would love to do for you. Pick your partner carefully. Competency, transparency, that's how we do it. Thanks for listening. We're going to be off for Christmas, but back the following Saturday. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 620 WTMJ.